Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers nearly a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. If I asked you right now to list all of the subscriptions you pay for, would you be able to? I really thought my answer to that question would be a resounding yes. But with the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find some sneaky ones I must have forgotten to cancel before the free trial ran out. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting slash kid subscriptions, though they all seem like really small amounts, when pulled together, that's a pretty big chunk of your spending money out the door. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. This episode is sponsored by the game Best Fiends. Sometimes I need a break from all of the news articles and true crime documentaries I have to digest for this show. And without a doubt, my perfect palate cleanser is Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a casual game filled with fun, engaging puzzles to keep your brain both entertained and challenged with levels, events, and challenges that update daily. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Best Fiends is one of my favorite games. It's actually the only game I have on my phone. The makers of Best Fiends have created a whole world right on my phone. It's got great music, is bright and colorful with great graphics, and there's a story about all these cute collectible characters. Right now, I'm on level 453 and have been working hard to collect some new critters. What's really cool is that you can connect and play with friends from all over and create fun little challenges of your own, which is the perfect way to stay connected while still social distancing. I've got my brother, who lives about 45 minutes away, playing the game now, and we've started some fun challenges so we could still feel like we're doing some game nights together. Trust me, you don't want to miss out on this game. So join me and millions of people who are playing this fun puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play today. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Adolescence can be a confusing time for most kids. Part of them longs for adulthood and responsibilities, while the other parts long for the fun and ease of childhood. On April 24th, 1998, a young boy who had a hard time adjusting headed to his eighth grade dance armed with his dad's firearm. 
So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On April 24th, 1998, the Parker Middle School in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, hosted their eighth grade graduation dance at a nearby banquet hall called Nick's Place, where students could unwind and have some fun under the watchful eye of their teachers celebrating their recent graduation. Most of us can remember those dances, how you stood amongst your friends talking, maybe dancing, and just enjoyed the grown-up feeling of being dropped off by parents for a late night evening. One of those kids dropped off was 14-year-old Andrew Jerome Worst, who arrived a little late to the festivities. Unfortunately, what the parent that dropped him off didn't know, and what the staff who let him inside didn't know, was that underneath his jacket was his father's 25 caliber pistol. The dance continued on, and at one point, Andrew won a door prize that he gave away to a friend and later told someone that he was armed with a pistol. Remembering comments about ending his own life, the students took Andrew's actions as an indication that he was going to complete suicide. So much so that they alerted their other friends and they all gathered onto the back patio to keep an eye on Andrew and make sure he didn't do anything dangerous while at the dance. They were worried, but they were also too young to know exactly what to do. 20 minutes before the dance was scheduled to end at 9.40 p.m., Andrew, who was still on the outdoor patio, was asked by 48-year-old science teacher John Gillette to come inside. While he started to usher the other kids in, Andrew pulled out the gun and shot John twice, killing him almost instantly. He then entered the banquet hall while students inside were dancing to My Heart Will Go On and began shooting at random, injuring teacher Idri Baratton and students Jacob Turry and Robert Zentrek. Another student attempted to stand up to him, but instead of shooting the student, Andrew hit Robert and ran outside. It wasn't until the owner of the hall, James Strand, confronted the young boy with a shotgun in his hand that the shooting finally came to an end. James demanded he drop his weapon and held him at bay for 11 minutes while they waited for police to show up, searching his body for more weapons and finding a dinner fork in his sock. Police arrived at the scene where the science teacher was declared dead amid the cries of dozens of terrified teenagers. The entire ordeal lasted about 30 minutes and Andrew was taken into custody, reportedly saying things like, I died four years ago, and none of this is real. When all of the parents started to arrive to pick up their children, Andrew's mother was amongst them, having no idea that her son had been the perpetrator in the horrific event. She had yet to find the suicide note that he had left behind before leaving for the dance. Prior to the shooting, Andrew had no history of mental illness, was an average student, and considered a loner. He was considered unfriendly to most, but no one took his disposition as a serious threat. In reality, he was suffering from a pretty serious psychosis. He thought everyone in the world was a zombie, that they were unreal people activated only in his presence, and claimed he was an alien from another planet. On one hand, he was still very much so a child, with Raggedy Ann dolls in his room, wetting the bed until he was nine, and worried about the monsters in his closet even up into the shooting. On the other, he was growing up too fast, writing stories involving fictional murders and his own suicide, was obsessed with horror movies many thought he was far too young for, idolized Hitler and Napoleon, and was planning on having sex with his girlfriend. 
he changed up his friend group in the eighth grade, started drinking and smoking pot, became increasingly aggressive and narcissistic, and had to be told on more than one occasion to leave the girls in the school alone, whom he would oscillate between flirting with and demeaning. He became a bully and his increasingly odd behavior caused a breakup and another girl refused to go to the dance with him. It all became too much and his parents, one overbearing and one cold, had no clue what their son was going through. In the days leading up to the attack, he attempted to recruit another student to help him, but later claimed he only intended to end his own life at the dance that evening. Andrew Wurst was arraigned on April 25th, 1998 and charged with criminal homicide, aggravated assault, reckless endangerment, possession of an instrument of crime, carrying a firearm with no license, and possession of a controlled substance. He underwent psychiatric evaluation, at which time the doctor for the defense found that he suffered from a major mental illness and had delusions of grandeur that he was unsure of why Andrew shot John as he made it clear his desire was to end his own life, but that he thought John wasn't real. The doctor for the prosecution felt that these delusions were just thoughts, not a fixed belief system, and that he did not suffer from any delusions. Andrew was eventually brought to trial and tried as an adult. He pleaded guilty to third-degree murder and was, on September 9th, 1999, sentenced to serve 30 to 60 years behind bars with parole offered in 2029 when he is 45 years old. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on April 25th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.